0: Hi. Welcome to Malicious Compliance. Please enjoy. Oh, you're giving all of us a failing grade on our final project? We're going to talk with the dean of the department then. Story by star underscore world underscore 8,311. The Background My humanities classes were taught by three professors, team teaching, lectures, small groups, etc., and that worked out most of the time. However, Our final project was a classroom simulated society and they split the class in half to do this. They told us all that we had to stay in the rooms in a portable and couldn't leave. The rules for the project were that the students were split into upper class, middle class, and lower class groups with each group having an irregular amount of tickets for travel, money, and food slash drinks. The upper class got 10 tickets for almost every category, the middle class got 5, and the lower class got 2. Each of the three had to decide how to spend their tickets and could give them away if they chose. The upper class was the only one that had travel tickets and the lower class was the only one that had entertainment tickets, TV time. In the first of the two sections of the group project, all the students stayed the whole four hours and the project went about how you would expect it to go, with the upper class ruling the other two and taxing them in tickets. That section of the project was during the school day, between lunch and dinner. Our section was directly following them, so we couldn't go to the dining hall for dinner. We also couldn't bring outside food or drinks. I had to eat on a schedule for medical reasons, but was told that I would only be allowed to do so if I bought food slash drink with our group's tickets. I was put into the upper class, so we had enough tickets for me to be able to do that, but then there were none for others to have anything. We, the five of us in the upper class, ended up splitting a can of pop and a small bag of chips. The people in our section of the project were mostly missionary kids, I'm not, though, so we were mostly an idealistic bunch, to begin with. All but one of the lower class group left the building to go eat dinner because they knew they weren't going to get fed otherwise. They weren't allowed back in and got failing grades because they didn't follow the rules for the project. Malicious compliance. The rest of us followed the rules to the letter but did it our own way within the confines of those rules. The tickets got spread around mostly evenly so everyone could travel, have at least one food or drink for their class to split, and have entertainment tickets. When it got to be our three of four, our class started singing, Show me the way to go home. We then started singing all the most annoying songs we could think of for the last hour. We absolutely drove the profs up a wall, but they couldn't tell us to leave because then they would have not followed the project rules, either. We knew we were playing with fire with this one because the project counted for a good chunk of our final grade, but we didn't care after finding out that the profs weren't going to allow any exceptions to the rules even for medical reasons. After we were done, we went to see if there was any way we could still get dinner, and the cafeteria stayed open for us a half hour after it was supposed to close so we could eat it was on a Friday night. The fallout. On Monday afternoon, we all came into the lecture hall buzzing about the two extremes of the project. The people who ran off knew that they were going to fail, but the rest of us in both sections were sure we were going to get passing grades. We were all told that the first section, the one that imploded, would get passing grades and the second section, the one that shared more equitably, would fail. One of my friends worked at the campus bookstore and knew that each stack of the project ticket slash rule books came with a teacher's manual. Since these profs did this project for all their humanities classes at this level, they didn't get a new teacher's manual each year unless the project changed drastically, so the rest of the teacher's manuals were sitting in the back of the bookstore, locked up, though. The friend told his boss what happened and his boss gave him a teacher's manual. Those of us who had completed the failed section of the project had the professor's words on tape because we were allowed to record lectures. We took that and the manual and made an appointment as a group with the dean. The dean thought that the profs had been utterly ridiculous and we got passing grades for the project. The profs tried to argue that there was no way that the project could ever have had that outcome, but the dean didn't go along with that. His answer? You teach at a Christian university and expect that your students aren't going to follow their beliefs? The profs had to change the syllabus so the next year the simulated society project was removed and something else was put in its place with better rules. TLDR. Humanities profs think a simulated society project can only implode and try to give half of their students failing grades. We took it to their boss and got some of the grades reversed after someone got the teacher's guide for the project from the bookstore. If you say so, I'll comply, and the end, we all get screwed. Story by Lilith Scherz. Tiny bit of pertinent information. In 2014, I had a c-section to bring my son into the world. I was let go from my previous job because they didn't want the liability if something happened to a pregnant woman on the job. I was rehired by the fast food company where I held my very first job, which is not McDonald's. It's a bit higher price than that, where you could get fried chicken, a hot dog, and a double cheeseburger at the same time. There will be no mention of my child's father because he wasn't there for us. I lived with my eldest sister who was more like a mom to me, which is why she is mentioned in this story. She was the person I had with me when I had my C-section she has been the one there for my son every moment of his life. My doctor said that if I was going back to work before his recommended 4-6 to weeks of healing time and rest, I had to be on light duty and that I was not to lift more than the weight of my son, which was 6 pounds. The story. I was rehired by a fast food company that was always extremely busy at each major point in the day. Lunch made over $800 between noon and 1 p.m., and dinner made over $700 from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Of note. The only reason I was rehired was that the hiring manager loved me to pieces. When I left the first time, she told me I always had a job with her because she loved my work ethic. She said that I was the best worker she'd had in years. Nobody ever picked up extra shifts as quickly as I did. Nobody cared to learn as fast as I did. So since I had previous experience, they wanted me to work the lunch rush, but I begged them to let me work dinner. Dinner would allow me to spend quality time with my newborn, and my sister, whom I lived with, would be home from her job to take care of my son while I worked. Now, I started a month after my C-section right? Wrong. I started 2.5 weeks later. If I didn't, I couldn't be hired. I had actually gone back to my doctor and asked his office to write a full letter explaining my light duty requirements, and took it with me my first day back. I walk into the manager's office, expecting to see my hiring manager or at least a manager I recognized. Nope. Enter stupid manager, who had worked as an hourly employee at another location, and thought she knew better than everyone. I handed stupid manager my doctor's note, and she looked at it like she was holding a dirty baby diaper. I asked her to make sure the hiring manager sees it, and she doesn't respond. I shrug it off and walked to the back, where the break room was. I saw that all of my co-workers were the same as the last time I'd worked there, and they all crowded around me to see baby photos. I was crying the entire time because it felt like a homecoming. It felt like I was finally surrounded by a support system. Until stupid manager screamed that we needed to get to work when there wasn't even a customer. We all scattered like flies and made ourselves look busy. I'd kept my phone in my pocket before clocking in and I periodically checked it, always between customers, to make sure nothing had happened to my son while I was gone. I would think most, maybe not all, managers would have understood that I hadn't been texting, just quickly checking for new notifications, but not stupid manager. She hated it. She'd been sitting in the office checking the cameras, and I supposed I'd checked my phone one too many times, yay postpartum depression and anxiety. The stupid manager came flying around the corner at light speed and stared daggers at me. Hazel, what the fuck do you think you're doing? You cannot be on the phone while you're clocked in. You should know this already. Now, I'd never been one to deal well with being yelled at, so I just said I was sorry. Some of my coworkers stood up for me, which again made me cry. The stupid manager apparently hated crying too. She turned back to me, shooting the same daggers into my soul. What the fuck are you crying about now? Thankfully, a customer walked in, so she just stormed off. I saw red. Within the hour, I watched her start to get ready to leave her shift, which I thought was a blessing. Of course, it wasn't. And her lazy manager, whom I'd had issues with the last time I'd worked there. Not that I said anything, she just never worked. She sat in the office, staring at the cameras, eating food from the line which the company said is illegal. You don't get free food, you get a discount on food. Did she ever pay for it? Not once. She wrote it off as part of the the end-of-the-day throwaway food, I can't remember what it's actually called on the the end-of-the-day report. The lazy manager saw me, and her face fell. Oh, hey Hazel, she said with disdain. I put on the sweetest smile and attempted to make small talk with stupid manager, but they made a major mistake. They left the door cracked, and wouldn't you know it? I worked on the side of the line closest to the door, where I could hear everything. This is how it went. Lazy manager, I thought hiring manager told her no. Stupid manager, I guess not. She's been on her phone all day. Lazy manager, of course she has. She's the worst employee we've ever had. Uck. I'll call hiring manager and figure this out. I've never disliked someone as I dislike her. Stupid manager, she seems pretty lazy. Oh. Here's her pitiful doctor's note. Lazy manager, ha ha ha, we'll see how that works. It's not like we've never had kids before. Now, that fully pissed me off. But, I bit my tongue. I waited for what I knew was coming. I knew exactly what I was going to do because I was just plain sick of being badmouthed by others. The stupid manager leaves and the lazy manager calls me to the office. I was in the middle of making an order, but she is the manager after all. I left that poor person's order sitting right in the line and walked to the office. Yes, lazy manager? She doesn't even look up from the computer. Hazel, what's this doctor's note for? I just take my phone out of my pocket and try to show her pictures of my son. Oh, you had a kid? In a tone that implied nobody would want to be with me or something. I smile sweetly and nod, a plan working itself out in my head. Fast forward four days. The lazy manager hasn't been helping us close the store at all. And I've been getting home after 2 a.m. every day, from a place that closes at 10 on weekdays, and 11 on weekends. I'm done. My sister can't keep taking care of my child like this, and it's completely unfair. The lazy manager is working again, and we're really busy. I go to put fries in the fryer because our fry cook is busy making chicken tenders. I open the little freezer beside the fryers, and it's empty, which I knew it would be because I never saw anyone put a new box in. Ha, huh, that sucks. Hey, We're out of fries out here, I yell. No response. Hey, co-workers. FRY cook is busy and we need fries out here. Nothing. Odd. Oh well. Hey, lazy manager. We need fries out here. The lazy manager opens the office door. Get them yourself Hazel. I walk over to the office. Lazy manager, I can't. My doctor said I can't lift more than six pounds. Lazy manager rolls her eyes and looks dead at me. Look, go get the damn fries out of the freezer now. Two boxes. I don't care about this my doctor said shit. Do it. And stay the hell off your phone. And there it was, my opportunity for malicious compliance. I walk into the freezer and look at the box of french fries. Hmm, I really shouldn't, this could be detrimental to my health according to my doctor. But lazy manager said so. Now, I'd noticed that morning that a couple of my stitches hadn't started dissolving yet, so I'd already called and scheduled an appointment about two weeks early. This was all lining up perfectly. I grabbed that fry box on the bottom shelf and shifted it where I could read its weight. I wasn't supposed to be on my phone, but she obviously couldn't see me in the freezer. I snapped a picture of the box, I sent it to my sister with the message manager told me I have no choice but to do this myself. Doesn't believe my doctor's note at all. Can't respond, she won't let me use my phone anymore either. I made sure the message was sent and then switched my phone off grabbed that fry box and lifted it, and carried it to the little freezer 20 feet away. I'll say one thing for adrenaline, it definitely works to numb pain until it wears off. I felt a wetness in my pants and excused myself to the break room. Not the bathroom, that was too private for this. I turned where the cameras couldn't see me and looked in my pants. Blood. I was bleeding. But from where? Oh, that's right. The stitches hadn't started healing yet. But there was another pain I'd never experienced. I walked a lazy manager with a napkin covered in blood, thankfully the line wasn't anywhere near the office, I would never contaminate someone's food, because of course I tried to stop the bleeding. I was immediately sent home to my sister, who was in severe panic over the message. I called my doctor's office with 10 minutes to spare and explained the situation, and was scheduled for the following day, and told to go to the hospital if the bleeding continued. My sister and I bandaged me up to the best of our ability, and I waited for my appointment. When my doctor found out why I still picked up that fry box, he sounded more like a concerned father figure when he said, I'll handle it. But I assured him I had it myself. All I needed from him was a doctor's note. You see, I'd found out that hiring manager, who was also the store manager, who was lined up to become district manager, had come back from vacation. She was actually scheduled for the following day, and I was supposed to work. I walked, no I waddled into that store, in uniform, doctor's note clutched in one hand the other grabbing every solid surface it could to absorb some of the shocks of movement. She took one look at me and guided me to a chair in the break room. Concern was written all over her face. Hazel, what happened? So I told her everything. She asked me if I ever gave either manager a doctor's note, and I said I had. She couldn't find it, but she didn't need to. What lazy manager and stupid manager didn't know was that my sister had a printer that could scan documents. And we had a weird feeling that we would need a copy of the first doctor's note, So not only did I have a new note clutched in my hand, but stapled to it was a copy of the original note, that told the managers that I was supposed to be on light duty because if I ripped a stitch, it could lengthen my healing process. The new note explained that since I was not given light duty, I not only ripped a stitch but pulled a few muscles in my lower body. When hiring manager read both notes, she was furious. She checked the schedule and when she saw neither of the other managers was working, she called them both in for a meeting. She asked me if I would stay for the said meeting and that I could sit in the office in her comfy desk chair while we waited. I took that seat and waited for the show. 30 minutes later, hiring manager was giving them an earful. Telling them they had no right to disregard doctor's orders. And that they should never have told me to stop being on my phone. Turns out, hiring manager had worked for this establishment when she had her youngest child, so she knew the anxiety of being away from a newborn for too long. I watched stupid manager get fired on the spot, but not lazy manager. The lazy manager was demoted to line cook because hiring manager told her she needed to relearn some humility. She worked as a line cook at another store for about a month and was then fired for stealing food. TLDR, disregard my doctor's note after a C-section, and disregard a mother's need to know if anything happens to her child. I hope you enjoy losing your jobs. You want updates? You got it. Story by Gavila 438. I remembered this particular scenario and wanted to bring it up here. It's a long one, so grab your popcorn and drinks, here we go. So one of the first IT jobs I worked was for the corporate headquarters of a Midwestern sandwich chain. My brother's best friend was the IT manager of this place and was given full reign to hire anyone he wanted. We had previously worked together in another place and he liked my work ethic, so he ended up asking if I'd take the job. Of course, I said yes since I genuinely enjoyed working alongside this friend, and I thought it would be cool to report to him. Anyway, a few months go by and everything is going well. I met and enjoyed mostly everyone in the IT department. One day, the CEO congratulates and welcomes a new CTO. This confused me as I thought that my friend's boss was the CTO, but I then was told that he was actually an interim CTO this whole time. So, being green and naive, I decided to take it upon myself to meet the new CTO. The conversation goes more or less like so. Me, hi. My name is Jerry. I am one of the help desk technicians here. It's a pleasure to meet you and look forward to working with you. Sticks out a hand to shake hands CTO, blank stares at my hand, then back at me me. Ah, yeah, so if you need anything or have any questions, I will do my best to help. CTO, so just because I am a woman, I need help? And what exactly can a help desk help me with? Don't offer help to me unless I ask for it, got it? My friend saw this and was honestly shocked. To this day, that entire exchange still haunts me. In any case, I moved on and ensured to try to stay out of the CTO's way. I decided I wanted to just do my job and work with my friend. The entire time I worked there, my friend kept me in the loop with all his projects and his work so that I could hopefully be successful in the field. Then, one day, when I get to the office, I am informed that my friend was fired by a demand of the CTO since he was not meeting expectations, despite all the reports showing that his leadership and changes did in fact yield very high ratings for ticket closures and customer satisfaction. That same day, the CTO comes to the help desk room and walks up to me. She then says hey you, you worked alongside that manager, right? Well, I am making you the interim manager since you know most everything he was working on. I felt like this was two slaps to the face, one being that she didn't refer to me by my name, and the other that she gives me my friend's job the same day he was fired. A few weeks go by and I just experience going to meeting after meeting. I keep getting told that performance ratings and customer satisfaction is dropping. In particular, The biggest gripe that was reported was that work orders were not getting any updates for days on end and that the requesters were beginning to feel that we were ignoring their issues. I tried to reply with a plan that I had to help alleviate this, but the CTO said we will make sure this is fixed. And would not let me speak. After all those meetings, the CTO sets up a meeting with me, the director of infrastructure, we'll call him Matt, and the previous interim CTO, whom we will call Joe. CTO, okay, how are we going to fix the problem with the work orders? Me, well, I've got a plan that should help with this. See, what I need to do is canvas the tickets and see what CTO, if I needed a plan, I would ask for it. I want an answer now. Me, okay well I'm trying to give you the answer which is a part of this plan CTO, then it's useless if you can't get to the answer. Any other ideas? At this point, we all stayed fairly silent and the CTO was just more or less rambling to herself. In the end, her response, was, glorious. CTO. Okay, so moving forward, no matter what it is I want every ticket to be updated immediately with anything that is going on with the request as it is being worked on. Me, everything that's going on with the request immediately as it happens? Are you sure about that? I feel like that's going to cause CTO, I know what I said. If I have to repeat myself, consider yourself out of a job. Me, silent for a second and then. Understood. She then proceeded to send an email, summarizing almost everything that happened in the meeting. She then writes that I had no constructive information to provide, but again see her plan there, it was then that it occurred to me. Q malicious compliance. I go back to the helpdesk room to announce the immediate change. Me, hey everyone, just wanted to give you a heads up that moving forward, you are to provide every work order with any and all updates possible. That includes anything from looking at the ticket to moving a laptop to type on it, just anything you do must be related and entered into a ticket. Tech 1, um, you want everything in tickets? Me, yep you heard that right. Everything. As you work on the tickets, keep those updates coming. Tech two, but if we do that, we could potentially trigger the spam filters, also it's going to flood the requesters mailboxes, did you mention this to the CTO? Me, she didn't care to hear about it. It's apparently not constructive information. The other four technicians stayed silent until one of them said a storm is brewing, this is going to be fun. And we all laughed, knowing what was going to happen. I went to the email that the CTO sent, regarding the summary of our meeting and opened it in its own window on my computer. I then continued to do as she had asked, and so did the other technicians. It wasn't even an hour before our updates were beginning to get blocked by the spam filters and we started getting emails from the requesters asking us why we were updating the work orders so much, others asking to be removed from future ticket updates, and many demanding to speak to a manager regarding this sudden disturbance. I updated the IT Help Desk email with an automatic replay that said something along the following. Thank you for your message. If this is in regard to your ticket updates, rest assured that we have your best interest in mind. A new policy is in place to provide you with as much transparency regarding your IT requests. This is in hopes to provide a better customer service experience. Please rest assured that we are aware of the number of tickets this may produce. We hope to provide further support to you and look forward to completing your request shortly company IT help desk. It was not long after this that the CEO came into the help desk room and demanded to know what the hell was going on. I could tell he was ready to fire someone when I calmly said good afternoon sir. We are simply following orders. And pointed at my screen, to the email with the meeting summary. The CEO looked at me and growled follow me. As we were walking, we passed by Matt's, Joe's, and the CTO's office, each time the CEO growled at them in my office. Now, we get to his office and the conversation goes like this, CEO, what the hell is going on? Me, I will reiterate, I am only following orders. CEO, and what exactly were these orders? Me, reiterates the orders here is the email from the CTO regarding this order. CTO, sir I can explain, I was just thinking that, CEO, and did no one stop to think what issues this would cause? Matt, well, Jerry did try to explain a plan to the CTO. Joe, If I am not mistaken, Jerry knows that if the Exchange servers detect multiple updates coming out like this in a small time window, it triggers a spam blocker. Me, and that's why my plan was to update each ticket only once a day, rather than after every single thing that was done towards the request. CTO, I asked you to update at the end of the day with everything that happened with the work orders. CEO, according to your summary, you did ask for ticket updates as they occurred, and Jerry's team provided this. Why did you not listen to Jerry's plan of action? CTO, well, sir, I've been working in the field since before 2000. What can someone like Jerry provide me with? CEO, well, he can provide you with the information to tell you why your idea has just caused the company a ton of money since now our exchange server got overloaded. Me, when I was talking about canvassing, I was trying to say that I wanted to reach out to each location's managers to compile a list of tickets to update in a scheduled manner, rather than do them all at once. But since T you wouldn't listen to me and even threaten to fire me, I only complied with your plan. CTO, I cannot believe this is happening. Why am I being targeted here? At this point, the CEO asked Matt, Joe, and me to leave while it had a word with the CTO on what teamwork means. Several minutes later, the network slash infrastructure team was able to reboot the exchange servers and remove the IT help desk mailbox from the spam filters. I later provided a mass email update to the organization, apologizing for any inconveniences that were caused and that I would be reaching out to provide planned support. I would soon find out that the CTO was placed on unpaid leave until further investigations were pending. I ended up quitting a few months after that since, after the incident, the CTO was frequently trying to take her grudge out on Joe, Matt, and me. I did leave reporting the incidents to HR. I did later find out that the CTO was terminated and arrested for embezzlement, update dash. For anyone who thinks that I was being respectful towards the CTO in my introduction, no it was not because of chivalry. I respect everyone equally, despite their status or position, or power, I suppose. When I started at this company, everyone was super friendly and genuinely liked working with one another. So greeting new staff in a friendly manner and offering to provide assistance was just a norm. So the fact that she came in with that large of a chip on her shoulder and further accused me of being sexist really threw me off. Furthermore, to clarify, that experience haunts me every time I speak to any female staff and thoughts race through my head, making me wonder if what I did or said could be deemed sexist, despite knowing damn well that I am being respectful and professional. Okay, now for the juicy bits, the embezzlement. When I found out about the embezzlement, I had already jumped ship from the place and moved on to a much better company. At the new company, I actually ended up poaching some of the best staff from the previous company to come work alongside me. Although I had almost no connections left at the Sandwich HQ place, some of the people I had brought over still had quite a number of connections back there. When I left, the company was no longer as friendly as it used to be. It was obvious that it was going down the shitter and overall becoming toxic, completely opposite from the image they try to portray. So one day, I come into work, and one of my buddies just shoots out of his chair, walks over to my desk, opens Google Chrome, typed in a certain set of keywords hit search, the top item was the public court documents. I read through it and found out everything. I reached out to Joe, to see if he was still there. Sure enough, he had left a few months after the scandal. He informed me of what had happened. So it turns out that Mark and one of his employees were taking money from one of the vendors to be able to basically remain one of the company's utility companies across the US. At this time, the CTO was looking to switch to a different provider. But this particular provider did not want to lose the company, since they were their biggest contract. So the CTO made a deal with the head of the provider company, where they were suddenly accepting unreported funds. What ended up happening though was that one of the employees reported his earnings in his taxes, which somehow ended up going back to the company. I am not sure about how this worked out. I'm not a tax guy or WE, but then it went to finance department. This is where I called my contact from the finance department. My contact had told me that she saw the reported income and it did not add up at all. His income basically was doubled, but she worked alongside payroll and they knew his wages, the fact that he reported almost double his income could get both him and the company in serious trouble. So she did the only thing she could do, which was to have an audit done. They reported this to the CEO and agreed to bring in an outside auditor, just to avoid any sort of possible conflicts of interest. The auditor then comes back to find where the extra funds came from, being a special contract with Mark, his employee, and the CTO signed off on it they worded it very carefully so that it would go under the radar, but the taxes would be charged to the company. A week after the audit, some officials arrived at the company and arrested those three individuals. I'm not sure if they served jail time or something, but they sure as hell walked out of there in handcuffs. Oh and to answer one final question, for those wondering how in the hell the CTO got to her position in the first place, she was friends with the CEO. She apparently is out there, still being a CTO to this day. At my current job, one of my coworkers asked me if I knew this person's name, and I shit you not I was like how the fuck do you know her? Only to later find out that coworker worked for the CTO and hated her. My coworker was going through some major issues while at that company and when she opened up about it, the CTO threatened to fire her as she was just a liability waiting to happen. My coworker is in safe hands now and she gets the treatment and therapy she needs. Hopefully, this answers any questions you all may have. I will update you again if you have any further questions. Cheers. Lastly, TLDR, CTO demands we update every IT work order with updates, stating she wants every single update, doesn't listen when trying to heed warnings, and threatens to fire op if demands aren't followed, which leads to exchange, email, server crashing. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to these stories with me.